Welcome to the Drop-Off. Epic conversations about the workforce of today and the talent of tomorrow. Featuring candid, pointed conversations with influential business leaders. Here's your host, Nicole Real. Thanks for tuning in to the Drop-Off. I'm Nicole Real, and today I'm honored to welcome Linda Weiss, President and CEO of Colorado Springs Community Cultural Collective, founder of Colorado Springs Conservatory, and EPIC executive member. Linda is an incredibly vibrant and passionate community leader who has dedicated her life to providing access to quality arts and cultural experiences to young and old alike. She's an active community advocate who is very involved in the Colorado Springs community and has served and continues to serve on many boards of directors. Thank you for joining us today, Linda. Oh, thank you, Nicole. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. Well, we're going to dive into our first question. Um, first, I'd love for you to share with our audience a little bit about your background. Some may not know that you are a classically trained musician from several of the world's finest institutions. Can you tell us more about yourself and your professional experience? Yeah, that's it's so funny that that's your first question, because whenever I do perform, people are like, wait, I thought you were just an administrator. Um, so I am. I'm a classically trained um, pianist and opera singer and had studied um, at Oberlin Conservatory and at the Juilliard School. And in between, um, studied summers at Chautauqua Institution in upstate New York. And where I fell in love with Colorado was I was many summers at the Aspen Music Festival. And um, and that was ultimately where I found my heart landing um, after many years in um, in. New York City. So I am, that's, that's what I'm trained to do. And I feel like that's what's served me well in understanding how impactful really a a more immersive experience with the arts can serve um, young people and how you tie the knot uh, between kind of the educational experience. In fact, yes, just yesterday I was talking with a social studies teacher and how most of the things that I learned in social studies, I watched in an opera first. Now, there's probably a lot of expansive uh, narrative there, but the bottom line is there's all different kinds of ways you can provide um, learning through through the arts. I think my journey to where I am now, I would be remiss if I didn't also include for a short, brief period after Juilliard, I worked at Citicorp Investment Bank. And that was simply to have access to the ability to pay continue to pay for coaches while I performed. And um, it was there on Wall Street that I really um, came to love, one, the business side of the world, and two, how I understood how closely arts and business work together, because it was those folks, mostly gentlemen at the time, that were sitting on the boards of the Metropolitan Opera and the, and the uh, Metropolitan Museum of Art, and that they were the ones that were supporting education programs. And I really feel like that was an impactful period of my, of my life that has afforded me the opportunity to understand um, how best to continue to navigate um, the work that I do here at the conservatory, at the conservatory. And then now here with the um, cultural collective. Thank you so much for sharing that background. Uh, Obviously I think anyone who even knows a little bit about uh, the music industry has heard of many of those institutions. So I think it, speaks to your talent um, that you were studying and and working at those institutions. And I won't ask you to sing, but. (laughs) Oh, well, you know, you can. uh, Yeah, it's funny because with the little PBS show that that I do now, 
you know, my friends in New York are like, for that, you went to Juilliard. <laughs> so it's all, it all ties together. It's really about how you approach it, right? Like, yes, we're all in this together. Well, I'm sure sometime at an epic event, we might get the chance to hear you sing. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. Never, never a problem. <laughs> Well, so as president and CEO of the Colorado Springs Community Cultural Collective and founder of the Colorado Springs Conservatory, can you share more about this program and the large project you recently embarked on? Sure. I and, and thank you for asking about that. I do believe that the founding and the manifesting and the successes of the conservatory were the part of the journey that afforded me the strength and the fortitude and the resilience to embark on the project that we're, um, we're championing right now. So as the conservatory was a preparatory performing arts program that is immersive, no one just shows up for lessons, but you, you come and you are part of collaborating, you're learning your music theory, you're doing theater, you're doing media arts. Along the way, you know, we, we learned a lot about how important partnerships are. Partnerships that include the county, the state, DHS, Fourth Judicial District, you know, that you really, really immerse yourself, not just in the curriculum, but you immerse yourself in the community and how pan arts serve in those spaces where people don't normally think about interfacing with the arts. And so... 30 years of doing that, then the opportunity to step into the space to reimagine our historic Colorado Springs City Auditorium, which is celebrating its 100th year um, alongside an incredible team of um, architects and designs. In fact, the same team that did the Ellie Calkins Opera House and the same team that did um, the Pueblo Memorial Hall, Semple Brown Design, and really creating a program-specific cultural hub that very much kind of completes really our state landscape, how we look at incubating new work, bringing creatives together, bringing the business community together, bringing the educators to a space where they have access to creative and new ways of teaching in their classrooms, especially when it comes to early childhood. When we look at the cultural collective, um, it's an $86 million project. And it is very program specific. And part of this journey was to stand up the programs before we started construction so that we could be in a space where we know what works, what serves um, our community, our region and our state. And um, so that when we cut the ribbon, we're not looking at each other like, what do you want to do with this big thing now? Um, But really looking at arts partners, business partners and um, education partners, civic partners, Early childhood was one of those pieces from the very, very beginning. And I think what makes this program unique and this on the heels of watching so many kids over the years, not everybody wants to be on stage. Not everybody wants to be a professional musician or a theater person, but that discipline and that work ethic and that self-efficacy and all of those pieces that come along with that, we've embarked on a very unique component uh, that includes four creative workforce programs. And, um, and we've since launched those programs. We've demonstrated um, proof of concept. And one of them is um, a space for creative early childhood enrichment um, programming. So, um, and training. And, and right now we're, we're in the midst of, of, of all of that. And I'm happy to talk more about that. That's where we're at. It's a, it's an incredible journey working alongside the city, 
working alongside the county and the state and partners like um, uh, my friends at Epic um, to make sure that this thing is successful for everyone. That's awesome. And I've seen that building and I can I can envision what it's going to look like after the project too. And I've seen some of your initial drawings and I know a project like that is a very heavy lift. So I'm happy that, you know, we have your vision and uh, really your, your support behind that project. And I love that you have so many different programs and things that are already happening in the community that can then fill that building. Like you said, you don't want to build it and then look around and say, you know, how do we fill this? But there's already great work happening and, people have the opportunity to get involved in music and the cultural arts in so many different ways, not needing to be on stage. You mentioned um, the early childhood program a little bit. So I want to dive into that. Uh, You are the creator of the PBS early childhood music and literacy programs, the simple gift series, which in 2022 won the Edward Ziegler innovation award from the national head start association can you share how you first had the idea for this program and speak on some of those key partnerships, decisions, and support that helped launch that program as well? Yeah. Isn't that fun? I, it, I appreciate you asking that. I have to remind myself, I feel like we're in the thick of this um, work and it was nice to come up and see this question and go, yeah, I guess we did do that. This whole program um, was based on my 30 years of work in classrooms with tiny people and with their teachers and their aides and the administrators that were believing in um, and the businesses that were believing in um, the importance of access, especially and access to music, but then also how do we bring literacy into that space? And so we had just recognized this was probably 18, 19 years of partnership with my friends here at, um, at Head Start. Success at the, in the Head Start classrooms was great. The early Head Start teachers were like, well, we can't leave our classroom. We can't, you know. So we went into the space of training the teachers. And we had just trained a, a whole cohort, probably 26 teachers um, that were so ready to go back. And then COVID hit. And so I was teaching these classes on Zoom. <laughs> and I laugh because it was really some of the most joyful teaching I'd ever, ever, ever done in my career. And we opened a portal. We had six, 1,600 families a week wow. jumping onto these Zooms with Miss Linda. Now, some of them were repeat offenders because it was the only contact they had, right? And so we, um, but we were still missing kids. And our partners at the state, our partners at DHS, some of our partners in some of these other centers were like, where, where are some of these families? Can you record a Zoom? And I said, no, because if your name is Nicole and I never say your name, you're going to know it's recorded and I'm not paying attention to you, which was part of the whole social emotional piece. So thank goodness for some um, incredible alumni from the conservatory whose Broadway shows or productions had stopped. And I said, just come watch me teach and help me turn this into something that's that we can send off to the teachers or at the time Children's Hospital was also asking for for content. And um, we came up with this little concept and um, this little pilot. The only thing that the teachers wanted more of was a field trip because the kids weren't getting out. So I called every friend I had in the city and said, you know, I've got this episode about energy. 
hi, president of utilities, um, can we come and learn about energy? And they're like, sure. So it became this big um, community thing. And then thanks to Amanda Mountain and Carrie McKee at Rocky Mountain PBS, and um, they said, how, how quickly can you create 13 episodes? And then they very shortly after that said, how quickly can you create season two? And then our friends at OEdit Film and Media said, uh, we want to help underwrite season three. And suddenly then there were other media programs from across the state um, and from uh, across the nation that were calling and saying, we found your program. And what was the biggest compliment was my first call from my first teacher, which was inner city Detroit. And they said, we found your program and we're using it in our classroom, but we don't know how to make music. Can you help us learn how to make music? Because this is really fun. And the other thing that I heard that was really surprising was we get so much content and it's you're the first human that we've seen. And I had to think about that. And they said, everything we get for early childhood is animated. Mm, yeah. And I didn't think about that. So that's how it was birthed. We're in the process of putting together season four. And who knew? Hudson now is carrying the books. I mean, every episode has a book. It's just been a great experience. I just, I'm, I have a habit of stepping into yes, which is um, a joyful space to be. Right, Nicole? You, you do that That's too. That's right. I think there's some really good books that talk about saying yes to things and right. living in right. that zone of being uncomfortable, but yeah, it brings some really amazing experiences sometimes. And well, and friends and friends and, and impact and service. And that's really been where I feel like I've, I've landed. Well, and we talk about, you know, of course, we know that COVID and the pandemic brought a lot of negative things with it, but it also brought some really beautiful and positive things with it as well. And I think this is an example of one of those things. It, you know, it prompted everyone to think differently about how we brought really everything to people, including arts and culture and humanities and music. And tiny little people. I mean, you'd have to be a bug on the wall in some of these Zooms because, you know, I might have 10 pages of full on tiny people. Some are at their high chairs, you know, and they got their little instruments, but they got used to it. They're like, I'm going to see Miss Linda on a Monday at nine o'clock and I'm going to see Miss Linda again on Thursday at 430. So it was a great learning experience. Yeah. Well, you know, they say happiness is having something to look forward to. So I'm oh. sure there were lots of small children and even, you know, teachers and others who looked forward to that time and having that experience. So that's really oh. cool. Some of my friends just showed up, never showed their face. I knew they had a glass of wine in their hand. They're just belly laughing because it became the place where the kids got together. Right. And I got a new dog. I got a goldfish. Um, one little girl who lived up in South Park would come and, and um, she had a ranch and her goat had baby goats. And, you know, the screens were full of things that they wanted to share with each other. And so yeah. that was very different than being in a classroom. And that was really an unexpected joy. So some classes went way long, but they didn't want to get off. You know, yeah. they didn't want to get off. Either did I. It was, it was joyful. Well, I think a lot, a lot of us missed that human connection component during the pandemic, including children. Oh, right? so certainly. Uh, so it's amazing that you were able to find a format and really take that opportunity and really expand that. Do you know how many, uh, how many viewers or, or how many children this program has reached now? Oh, that's a really good question. I would have to get back 
to you on that because that it changes. But yeah. I know that my friends at um, uh, Rocky Mountain PBS, they track that. So I can yeah. definitely, definitely get back. And, you know, it's funny because it's expanded so fast and so quickly. And because of it, we're now working with joint initiatives down here in um, in El Paso County to bring both the teacher trainings and play groups for the FFNs, for the friends, families, and neighbors groups. And what's funny is we were just talking about a year ago, we started with four families and now there's over 150 families and each one brings about two to four, you know, two to six kids. And to your point, it's all about social connectedness. I mean, we, we learn and we share, but at the end of the day, you've got moms and caretakers from all different walks of life um, who come together now on Wednesdays at the city odd to do their music and make their friends and pet some animals and get their face painted and do some activities. So it's all because of this little um, program and saying yes to your point, saying yes. That's amazing. Well, music connects us all, right? Oh yeah, most certainly. Well, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Uh, as a business leader and a mother of two daughters, what workplace challenges did you face and are there any systemic improvements that you might have seen from your experiences. So can you tell me about how your family navigated childcare over the years? How have you seen childcare and early education evolve here in Colorado for working families and for working moms? You know, when I read that question, I, I'm reminded about how fortunate I am. One, I was one daughter of four and at one point, my dad and half of my family comes from this world of creating their own businesses. So I feel like I have this, I didn't realize how how I can swim in, in swim lanes where, you know, it's basically, I'm, I'm part of, I started the conservatory. So it was like startup, right? Now here's another startup. It just happens to be you know, an $86 million startup, and it involves a lot more community players. When we started the conservatory, when I say we, it was a really small group of people. I had the very good fortune and very blessed to have a husband who, you know, Texas Marine rancher who literally stopped his life to be part of this. What was great about it was he was the furthest thing from anything that I was doing. <laughs> so a constant reminder about, you know, when you come from a land of, you know, Juilliard and the Metropolitan Opera and that whole cultural, that level of cultural experiences, and you're now in the middle of Colorado, which my friends back east were always reminding me it's a flyover state. And that you're starting something that everyone told you would never be able to last. There wasn't enough money. There wasn't enough talent. There were no, there were no kids that would be interested to this degree. And I had this husband who said, I'll do it with you. And who became a bulldog for these kids who often were not your normal, you know, I mean, I always said that conservatory was the Island of misfit toys, but um, these were not kids that were fitting in everywhere. Um, and this is 1992. So Colorado, you know, there's a whole story there in 1992. I'm launching a program. I'm having my first child. And that child, I'm so grateful, as actually both of them are now part of the projects that I'm working on. They both went away to school. They both are very, very different. But I had the good fortune of having a husband who 
literally was by my side the whole time. And also reminding me, you know, why should people care? And that's an important question for people to ask. Why should someone care about bringing an entire school to come see an opera at Central City? Because it changes their life. How does it change their life? I don't know. I I have to like show you. I'm going to bring a bus up there and I'm going to show you what happens to those children. But what I was witness to were a, a lot of challenges. And again, just stepping into yes of families and school districts. How do we bring this to children? And working with administrators and finding extraordinary partnerships where people are willing to address things like transportation. When you talk about after school care, you know, how do we get kids from a space to an after school program like the conservatory and not have to leave work? Those are some of the things that I witnessed. I think just knowing that a lot of women were staying home and not that they didn't want to stay home, but there was no alternative. That was really, it's a, it was a really profound question for me, Nicole, because it, it forced me to really think about the tens of thousands of families that I've interacted with, right, over 30 years, and how did they overcome those challenges? And it really was about effective conversations with folks that wanted to find solutions for challenges that they were having. And it was really important to know who those people were. And quite frankly, Nicole, you're one of those people. And so the problems that you're solving right now with Epic, when I look back 30 years ago, it was very different. This is a very different world. It's a very different state, very different business climate, extremely different challenges. Everything from when I look at when I we started the Head Start partnership, you know, 18, 19 years ago, and we'd get a small bus full of small people with small jackets and small backpacks. And there would be one teacher and one aide. Fast forward 15 years, same bus, same number of kids, two teachers, six to eight aides. And when you talk about, we didn't talk about spectrum that many years ago, and you're looking at learning challenges and challenges in a classroom, and then consequently what those parents have to do, how do they how do they advocate for their children? How do educators become aware? It's just the challenges are are so much more than people understand. So that's why your work at Epic is so important. And thanks to a governor that appreciates that this is this is the upstream work. This is the headwaters work that we all need to be doing when they're this young. Otherwise, yeah. they end up downstream and we're dealing with even more intense, deeper, broader issues. So I applaud you. Um, I was very fortunate and I'm still very fortunate because both my daughters, um, one went very intentionally into the arts. So she's working on the city odd project. The other one went into agriculture, followed in her, her dad's footsteps, but she's now part of this project too. It's, it's wonderful to know that your children recognize community impact and want to be part of it. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, and clearly you've had a great impact too. And you know, we're thrilled to have you as an EPIC member. So I think digging into that, uh, that point that you made, you know, can you talk a little bit about why you became an EPIC member and what is the role that community and business leaders play in supporting early care and education and families? I became involved because I was witness to you up at the Capitol. I was up there, of course, advocating for my project but also I realize I'm advocating for my county and my city 
and um, coming back and reporting. And your work was so effective. I had to question why wasn't my county and my business community more present in regard to this issue. I was so um, pleased and honored to become um, an executive member and I'm your biggest fan. And I came back um, to El Paso County and I said, we need to be um, more present up at the Capitol and we need to better understand how we can be supporting Nicole and Epic and how we can um, play a greater role um, up at the Capitol because we are the second largest city in Colorado and the largest county, right? And there's all the data that talks about how many children effectively are part of our county. I think the role that we need to play right now as EPIC members and as business leaders is the role of informing gracefully and graciously how important this work is and what this work is. And that's where I think people just take it for granted or they just don't think about it. And so I feel like our greatest role is to make sure that people are thinking about it and and how they're thinking about it, what those things are that they're thinking about, whether it's the impact on workforce, whether it's quality childcare, whether it's recruitment and retention for workforce. There's all of those pieces. And unless you're in the thick of it, you might not be thinking about it. So how do we effectively make sure that this topic of early childhood is part of um, early childhood care is part of the business conversation? I think it's just part, it's just like arts and culture. People tend to take it for granted, you know, and, and otherwise, if you're not including, and when you talk about culture, that's pretty broad. It can be everything from the rodeo to the opera. I mean, it's all part of it, right? And wellness is part of our culture. And this is part of wellness. And if we're not taking care of our children, then we're going to be so in trouble down the road. And there's a lot more challenges in today's world than maybe there, there may have been 20, 30 years ago or 50. So it's it seems insurmountable, but you take baby bites, right? Baby steps, baby bites. Yeah. Well, and I think you nailed it too when you said that it's really paramount to just put it on the radar and make sure people are talking about it and prioritizing it. And our community and business leaders in Epic are, you know, bringing that to the top of the discussion for everyone. It's it's so simple. Imagine imagine a place where people went to work and you're bringing your child to a space not far away, if not, not not in the same building, and you know your teachers, and guess what? You could go have lunch with your kid if you wanted to, and how fun is that? And then you know what the great part about that is? Your child knows that you go to work and is seeing community. Those are the people that we want to grow. Those are the people that we want to grow. And I feel like that was a culture that we created at the conservatory, and that's I feel like that's, it's on steroids, but that's the community that we want to create at the cultural collective. And how do we all benefit and how do we all work together? I love that. Well, I have the benefit of, of seeing all the wonderful events that you host at the conservatory. Uh, so could you give us just a little bit of information on, you know, what's next for you, any future projects in the works, and also how can our listeners uh, connect with your work and support that? Sure. Sure. Well, at the Community Cultural Collective, you can learn about um, upcoming events uh, by just logging onto our website, communityculturalcollective.org. 
this was a building that was built. There's a placard above the stage. It says, um, for the use of the people and the glory of the city. And so the events and happenings are very diverse. We've got everything from um, Wu-Tang, clan, uh, Wu-Tang folks and DJ Dice coming to the play groups to today we have um, a, an organ series um, because there's a an historic Wurlitzer Theater organ in there and they do Sacklatch Serenade. So there's something for everyone. I think one of the things that I would love for people to learn more about is our creative workforce programs. They're launched. And especially with our, with our creative culinary program, you know, we've got, we're in our fourth, fourth cohort. Um, we've launched it in February. We have a little restaurant that's kitty corner to the city odd that will be uh, ultimately move into city odd. But, you know, learning about that, because if you know someone that's interested, these are earn and learn programs and, um, and people are coming from quite a distance to be part of them. And I'm really proud to say that just out of that one alone, in a short period of time, we've all already had 32 um, folks gainfully employed with full-time employment with workable salaries. That's the kind of impact. And they're doing what they love and they're learning and they're interfacing with community. So you can learn more about us at communityculturalcollective.org. Um, our Simple Gift Series um, website is very minimal right now because it's happening so fast that we kind of pausing everything to get it um, be rethinking how we um, interface with educators and friends, families, and neighbors on that. Um, but that's simplegiftseries.com. Yeah. Or you can just call me. Everybody knows where to find me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's Nicole where I am. She knows. Uh, but no, I'm just thrilled to have this conversation and I'm so proud of you, Nicole. And I'm so proud to be part of this organization. And I just am your biggest champion and, um, and just want to want to help however I can. Well, thank you, Linda. And I can say that it's truly an honor on my part to know you and have gotten to know you much better as well over the past year. So um, thank you, Linda, today for joining us on the drop-off epic conversations about the workforce of today and the talent of tomorrow. We, of course, wish you the best of luck with your incredible work in Colorado Springs and across the country. Thank you. Thank you for your service to the community and to early childhood care and education and, of course, our cultural arts communities. Thank you, Nicole. The Drop-Off is a production of Executives Partnering to Invest in Children. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more information about our organization, visit coloradoepic.org.